I'm not 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday at Rev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Zukat Rachamim Chaim Shalom Ufros Aveinu Zukat Shlomecha Zukat Rachamim Chaim Shalom
been traveling the longest road. My feet are tired, my pace is slow. It's been a long time since I've been home amongst the nations is where I
היום נביט כולם ביחד לשמיים. הם פתוחים לאור גדול, הלילה בשביל שניים. כל ששון וכל שמחה, כל חתן וחלב. וזה היום, קדוש כולו, תכלית הבריאה. והשכינה עומדת כאן, זכה וטהורה. תח בלב עליו ברינה ומצעולה.
J.M. in the A.M. Zevi Weinstock, Ari Zucker together with Anim Zmiros. Lachadodi, that was Zusha with Yishai Rebo, brand new. Eitan Katz's latest, Truma, single off of his brand new album. Mina Meitzar from Shlomo Katz, doing a lot of Rabbi Shlomo Katz this morning. He goes, he'll join us in the 8 o'clock hour as we talk about the uh, Kosher Halftime Show, which is coming out on Sunday. Shlomo Katz with Mina Meitzah. You heard Moshe Klein and Bowie, Within Your Walls, done by Aryeh Kunstler. <coughs> That's also brand new. 
Yaakov Singer and Kivo Yismach, Shlomo Katz with Ufros and Bowie. And from uh, Regesh, of course, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this February the 11th, 10th day in the month of Adar 1. The year is uh, 10th of Adar 1? Yeah, 10th of Adar 1. The year is 5782, Tufshin Pei Bays. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Titzava with candle lighting time at 5.06 on this Erev Shabbos. 5.06 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 5.06 official candle lighting time here in uh, New York City as we get set for Erev Shabbos, or I should say get set for Shabbos Parshas Titzava. A congratulations, Mazel Tov, going out to those who completed Moed Katan yesterday in the study of Daf Yomi, the one-page-per-day Talmud study. The best of luck to those who are starting Chagiga today. Uh, today, Friday, is the first daf of Chagiga in daf Yomi. So again, we wish everybody good luck with that. And uh, don't forget Tuesday and Wednesday, Purim Katan and Shushan Purim Katan. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how we're going to handle those shows here at JM and the AM, but um, let's just say we'll try to be as innovative as possible. 40 degrees, 56% humidity, winds in north at 2 miles per hour, partly cloudy today with a high temperature of 55. Then tonight, clouds and a low of 48. Tomorrow, partly cloudy and a high of 60 degrees. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 49. We're at 40 in New York City. As we say good morning on a Friday at JM in the AM. Well, you know the deal. Kosher Halftime Show at Halftime this coming Sunday. Presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. And the Rabbi Shlomo Katz, of course, is going to help us bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora with the uh, Kosher Halftime Show this coming Sunday. And I certainly hope you'll all watch it and share it. Uh, again, that comes up on Sunday. During halftime, you can find it at uh, on our homepage, NahumSiegel.com. You can find it on our social media, including our Facebook page, NahumSiegel, excuse me, Facebook.com slash NahumSiegel Network. And uh, again, I hope you'll watch it, share it, and uh, use it as an alternative to uh, other types of entertainment that, that is being offered on Sunday. Um, reminder... That uh, Makar Care and Services Network has a website, makarconcert.org, M-A-K-O-R, concert.org. The Jewish Music Hall of Fame show is celebrating 60 years of Jewish music on the night of February the 27th. You and I and all of us can continue to guess who's going to be there that night, but the uh, I think the most definitive thing about that night is that uh, you're guaranteed classic artists and classic selections. You're talking about 60 years of Jewish music in a two, three-hour show. It's going to be something remarkable. Tashia Mendelowitz production. Yisrael Lam is the musical director. It's all happening again at the Tilly Center in Brookville, Long Island on February the 27th. Information, go to makorconcert.org. Get your tickets, makorconcert.org. Again, makorconcert.org. Get your tickets and um, get ready to enjoy that event on the 27th of February. The OU Virtual Jewish Community Home Relocation Fair is this Sunday. That starts at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, goes until 8 p.m. It's all virtual, a virtual Jewish Community Home Relocation Fair with over 60 communities featured. Check it out, ou.org slash fair, ou.org slash fair. And uh, everybody out there who is considering different uh, neighborhoods, different communities, different cities around the United States, it's a, a golden opportunity to check out 
what um, uh, what so many of them have to offer. OU.org slash fair. OU.org slash fair. Uh, again, you'll be uh, you'll be um, inundated with a whole bunch of information and a whole host of uh, of um, communities from around the country in Israel that are just ready to expand and include uh, people like yourself. Yeah. So keep that in mind, ou.org slash fair for information. More coming up, Micha Gammerman at JM in the AM. Rock, let's go, 
All about Slobo Cats, huh? <laughs> we are playing a lot of Slobo Cats music. After all, he is the star of Kosher Halftime Show 2022 coming up Sunday. Brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. There he is with Proke. Shabbatot done by Yitzchak Fuchs. Micha Gammerman had Rak Simcha here at JM the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, as uh, we continue here at JM in the AM. Uh... Galay Tzal in the background, or our news from Israel coming up. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, is in Israel. We'll speak to him at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time this morning here at JM in the AM. Always extra special when we get to speak to him while he's in Israel. I imagine he had some uh, important encounters this week that he'll remind us of, or inform us of, I should say. Candle lighting at 5.06 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Tetzava. That's 5.06 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Tuesday and Wednesday next week is uh, Purim Katan and Shushan Purim Katan. We'll try our best to adjust our programming <laughs> accordingly. Not sure what we're going to do, frankly. We'll figure it out. 40 degrees, partly cloudy, and a high temperature of 55. Um, please keep in mind... 
Mordechai Moshe ben Yonina Toba. Mordechai Moshe ben Yonina Toba for Rafur Shlema. Mordechai Moshe ben Yonina Toba for Rafur Shlema. And your help with that, of course, is greatly appreciated. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, the beloved NSN app. Galay Tzal in the background. I, uh, yeah, I wonder if some people are upset now that we're airing Galay Tzal ever since uh, the controversy this week where apparently uh, one of their quote-unquote right-wing commentators was let go. Even the Prime Minister I saw reacted to it. Bardugo, I believe the name was, if I have the story correct. Maybe that's something I should ask Malcolm about later on. We'll see. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday era of Shabbos follows next. We say Boker Toe from JM the לראשונה זה יותר מחודש, מספר נדבקי הקורונה שהובחנו אתמול נמוך מ-30 אלף ועומד על 27 אלף. מקדם ההדבקה ירד ל-0.76. מגמת הירידה בתחלואה הקשה נמשכת גם היא, ובתי החולים מאושפזים 1,070 חולי קורונה במצב קשה, מהם כ-270 מונשמים. כתבנו לענייני בריאות שי פרידמן מוסר כי במערכת הבריאות מעריכים שדעיכת הגל תהיה הדרגתית יותר מהצפוי, וכי יידרש עוד זמן עד שהדבר יבוא לידי ביטוי משמעותי בבתי החולים. אדם אחד נהרג וארבעה אחרים נפגעו באורח קל עד בינוני בתאונת דרכים סמוך למחלף לקיה במזרח הנגב בנסיבות הנחקרות עתה. צוותים של מגן דוד אדום ולוחמי אש חילצו את הנפגעים, קבעו את מותו של אחד הנהגים והעבירו את הנפגעים למרכז הרפואי סורוקה בבאר שבע. כביש 6 לדרום נחסם לתנועה במחלף להבים בעקבות התאונה. יש לנסוע בדרכים חלופיות. ידיעה שריכזו כתבינו מתן לוי ורמי שני. עשרות מפגינים מענפי האירועים והתרבות הגיעו מול ביתו של שר החוץ לפיד וחסמו את הכביש במחאה על התוכנית הכלכלית שהציגו ראש הממשלה ושר האוצר. כתבתנו עינב קרנר מוסרת כי לטענת המוחים, ענף האירועים והתרבות נותר ללא פתרון. בקנדה הרשויות חסרות אונים מול הפגנת נהגי המשאיות שחסמו מעברי גבול בין ארצות הברית לקנדה. שיירת החופש של נהגי משאיות קנדים המתנגדים לחובת החיסון לנהגים העוברים בין המדינות החלה בבירת קנדה אוטאווה, שם סגרו הנהגים גשר מרכזי המשמש כמעבר גבול ועוד שני מעברי גבול קטנים יותר. על פי סוכנות הידיעות רויטרס, ממשל ביידן דחק בקנדים להשתמש בכוח כדי לפרק את החסימות, אך למרות תגבור של כוחות משטרה שעצרו אתמול 25 אנשים, הדרכים עדיין חסומות. מזג האוויר אצלנו מעונן חלקית עד מעונן עם עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות, אך יוסיף להיות קר מהרגיל, מחר יהיה נאה עם עלייה נוספת בטמפרטורות. ואלה זמני כניסת השפעת, פרשת תצווה בירושלים ב-4.42, בתל אביב ב-5.03 דקות, בחיפה ב-4.52, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת ב-5.05. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר בירושלים ובחיפה דקה לפני 6, בתל אביב ובבאר שבע תצא השבת ב-6 ודקה. לכל מאזיננו שבת שלום, אלה החדשות.
בחסות קבוצת...
Friday morning, Erev Shabbos with Regesh. A couple of great selections from Regesh to open up the 7 o'clock hour. J.M. and the A.M., good morning. My name is Nachum Siegel. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Tetzava with candle lighting time at 5.06 in New York. 5.06, so make sure you know when things start where you are. Mazel Tov to those who completed Moed Katan yesterday in uh, Daf Yomi. And a uh, Hatzlacha Rabah to those who are starting Chagiga today. Don't forget the Arts Scroll 30% off sale on all Talmud and Mishnah. That could be extremely helpful to people, especially this time, uh, this time of the week with the change in the Dafiomi. Uh, when you go to artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. You know the rule, always use promo code radio at artscroll.com. You won't regret it. Getting ready for your Super Bowl party? Well, this portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H, and I bet Abel's and Hyman, kosher hot dog, sausage, and deli are going to be on a lot of Super Bowl party tables this Sunday. They are the world's best, after all, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Check out the website, kosherdogs.net. Uh, use the promo code RADIO for your 10% discount and enjoy A&H today. And I bet a lot of people will be enjoying it this Sunday. That's my prediction. That's my that's my Super Bowl prediction. Um, Harry Rothenberg's words today are dedicated for a Rafua Shlema to Yehoshua David ben Frimit. Yehoshua David ben Frimit, we are hoping for a very quick and full Rafua Shlema for our good friend Yehoshua David ben Frimit. Harry Rothenberg, Parshas Tetzaveh, JM in the AM. At the very beginning of this week's Parsha, we're told that the oil for the menorah in the Mishkan, the tabernacle, and then later in the base of Mikdash in the temple, has to be from olives and has to be the purest of the pure. The sages explain that means that it can only be the first couple of drops pressed from each olive. What's interesting is that there's a different law for the flower offerings that were brought in the Mishkan and then in the temple. 
those also have to be from olives. They also have to be pure, but not the purest of the pure. They can be from the third, fourth, fifth drop, etc. One commentator says we can tease out a beautiful lesson from these differences in those two laws. The light of the menorah represents the Torah. It represents spirituality. When it comes to spirituality, spend the extra dollars. Don't cut any corners. Insist on the best. But when it comes to physicality, represented by the flower offerings, most of which were eaten, not only do you not have to spend the last dollar or the extra dollar, but it's a good idea not to. You should exercise restraint with respect to your personal consumption. And if we're honest with ourselves, and I'm speaking to myself as much as to anyone out there, do we do that? Do we prioritize spending on the commandments versus spending on ourselves? Back in the day, if a guy wanted to wear a custom suit, it wasn't so easy. I had to get on a plane, fly to London, go to Savile Row, hope to see James Bond in the waiting room. Now, it's much easier. All sorts of custom options, and you can customize anything on a guy's suit. The buttons and the lapels and the belt loops and the lining, you name it, you can make it yours. Fully bespoke. And I admit, I have a few custom suits in my closet. But I also admit, to my horror, I noticed a few days ago that my talus bag that holds something pretty precious, pretty important spiritually, my talus, the bag is fraying. Now, I would never wear a frayed suit, custom or off the rack, and I'm sure I'd notice it right away. And here my talus bag's frayed. Probably has been for some time, and I didn't even notice it. I've got to correct that. Or consider this. You book a vacation. You pick the venue. You pick the hotel. Three stars, four stars, five stars. Maybe you can afford six or seven stars. And the room category. And you try to finagle an upgrade because it's your anniversary or your birthday. Who knows what? And then you pick and you book the activities. And then sometimes the light bulb goes off and you remember, oh, wait a minute, I should really check where's the closest synagogue so I can pray on vacation. And you find out, uh-oh, the closest synagogue's an hour away. I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Well, why not first figure out where the synagogue is and then book the hotel? Now, I can't tell you that this always happens. I'd be lying. But at least in this one particular instance, right now, I'm in a hotel. I'm filming for my hotel room in South Florida. I'm down here for a few speaking engagements. And the closest synagogue, I'm proud to say, is five minutes away. Not a coincidence. I've had a long day. I am tired, but five minutes away, I hope to be there tomorrow morning.
Sassy, I'll tell me. 
לכבוד שבת קודש, לכבוד שבת קודש, נרות לכבוד שבת, לכבוד שבת קודש, חלות לכבוד שבת, לכבוד שבת קודש, מעין עולם הבא, מעין עולם הבא. בואי לגני, אחותי כלה, בואי לגני, שבת מלכתה. מעין עולם הבא, מעין עולם הבא, יום שבת, יום מנוחה, כל עם מתענגים לה, כל עם מתענגים לה, יזכו יזכו לרוב שמחה. מעין עולם הבא, מעין עולם הבא, יום שבת, יום מנוחה, כל עם Mati Weiss, Lichvod Shabbat Kodesh here at JM in the AM. It's a good request. That was uh, on our app here at JM in the AM. Um, uh, before that, you heard Avram Rosenblum and Haman Nagain. The wedding medley was done by David Lowy. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations coming up from Israel. Listener Yudi says, have a wonderful Shabbos, Nachum. Thank you. Everybody out there have a wonderful Shabbos. Um, listener Daniel, good morning and good Shabbos from AJA Carpool number 204, remembering the Super Bowl and JM and the AM in Atlanta very fondly. Thank you. Those were some good times, weren't they? They certainly were. Uh, <laughs> love you, Shalim, says loving the song selection. I wanted to hear Mati Weiss's Lichot Shabbos Kodesh. There you go. Rav Gav says Shabbat Shalom and a good Shabbos. Thank you. Um, Erev Shabbat Shalom from Yitzchak in Kemp Mill, Maryland. Thank you for that. Shabbat Shalom from listener Tikva. Um, oh, thank you to Love Yerushalayim, who says sometimes he gets or she gets to listen to uh, to us, I guess, on local radio. That's uh, very flattering, and I appreciate that very much. And thanks to all of you for commenting. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Keep in mind that there is a major... 
and I mean major, Jewish Music Hall of Fame show coming up on the 27th of February with musical director Yisrael Lamb, producer Shia Mendlowitz. Uh, it is for Makar Care and Services Network, and it is a uh, night that will celebrate 60 years of Jewish music. Could you imagine that? 60 years of Jewish music. Jewish Music Hall of Fame show, um, 27th of February, two weeks from this coming Sunday night. Information, makorconcert.org. Get your tickets, makorconcert.org, makorconcert.org. Again, get your tickets and get ready for what will no doubt be an amazing and incredible show. I mean, that, that's I think that part is guaranteed, yeah. That part is guaranteed uh, for the 27th of February. A literal Jewish Music Hall of Fame show, makorconcert.org, M-A-K-O-R-concert.org. Check it out and get ready to enjoy. More coming up at JM in the AM.
Benny Friedman, Shalom Aleichem. Lizzie Klatsko and company with Ain't Kill Okenu. Friday morning, era of Shabbos Parshas at Tzava with uh, candlelighting in New York, 5.06 p.m. Make sure you know where the things start, where you are. Purim Katan and uh, Shushan Purim Katan coming up this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. Mazal Tov to those who completed Moed Katan in, uh, in Dafyomi and Hatzlacha uh, Rabbah, those who are starting Chagiga today. Don't forget our friends at Art Scroll have their Talmud and Mishnah sale at 30% off. Um, when you go to artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. Simple as that. Always use promo code radio when you go to artscroll.com and enjoy the 30% off sale this week on all Talmud and Mishnah related volumes. Gives you an amazing opportunity to save. Uh, our friends at jewishworldview.com, they're an amazing resource to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos that you may want to read over Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world. We highly recommend you check out jewishworldreview.com. Check it out today. Malcolm Honeline is in Israel, which always makes this segment even more special. Oh, and speaking of Israel, don't forget our kosher halftime show from Israel with Rav Shlomo Katz is coming Sunday during halftime, brought to you at a Rothenberg law firm, injurylawyer.com. We're trying to bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora with this year's show. And uh, frankly, having Malcolm on from Israel helps us bridge that gap as well at a time when that gap has been a little too wide. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Well, it's great to be back with you, especially from here. I'm here building bridges and everybody's waiting for American Jews to come back and to visit them and to make this uh, make the old scene reappear. It's funny because uh, yesterday I was on the phone with someone who's very familiar with the real activity regarding travel to Israel. You know, sees the numbers, the data, the ticket purchases, etc. And uh, with all the different rushes that we've seen over the last two years to get to Israel when things opened up, when things slightly opened up, when things thought they were opening up, nothing compares to what's going on now. Someone said to me yesterday, if you want a ticket anytime between now and the end of the summer, you've got to book now. And the prices, by the way, (laughs) I don't know if you've seen this, the prices, especially uh, for holiday time in mid-April, are are completely out of whack. So I think we're finally seeing what you've been predicting for a long time. We're finally seeing the real rush to get back to Israel that all of us thought we were seeing before, but we really weren't. I think so. It's not materialized right now, uh, generally. It it will materialize with Pesach and thereafter. I believe a lot of people, and I've said this in interviews here, trying to counter some of the things that have been said about you know, the, uh, the outrage and breaking of the relationship and et cetera. It's true the system that was in place had a lot of flaws, but, you know, government do what they have to do. But now I think for many of the people, they, they came to realize just how important Israel is in their lives and, and that we not take for granted our ability just to get on a plane and go, that, the, you know, how meaningful Israel is. I was today at the city of David and... It's, it's just so mind-boggling. It's so incredible. And I've been there a hundred times. And if I'm there a thousand times and at the hotel and the, the tunnels and the new buildings and new excavations and new everything, it, it, would be, it couldn't be any more meaningful or, or impactful than it was, even though I was there. And I've been here, you know, during this COVID period. 
uh, it's still it's so exciting, and you see it in the people who are here, parents visiting their kids in yeshivot, um, you know, people here for all sorts of reasons, hopefully all good ones, uh, positive ones, and the, uh, you know, the spirit is high, people feel the tourism that it's coming back, and the restrictions are being lowered all the time. Well, thank God for that, and let's hope they continue to go in that direction. Um, I don't know if you had an opportunity this week to meet with the Prime Minister. Often you do. What can you tell us about the phone call between the Prime Minister and the President of the United States this week? Uh, it is not true that he called collect. That's the first thing I want to just clarify that the rumors. Thank you. And second of all... <laughs> Half the people listening don't even know what that means, but okay. <laughs> not, not, no more. <laughs> that age is over, but... Exactly. Um, uh, the, the, the conversation uh, concluded with an invitation to the president, to President Biden, to come. He accepted it and said he will do it before the end of the year. Obviously, the bulk of the conversation was about uh, Iran and what's going on there and the negotiations, which have resumed already in, um, in Vienna. Uh, I will tell you that here there's generally a lot of skepticism uh, and, and the belief that uh, this is not going to uh, go anywhere, that they do not believe there will be a conclusion. The administration has set a deadline of this month for the negotiations to conclude. Uh, I think the Iranians, in part because they have benefited so much from the increase um, in oil and increase of their oil exports by about 40 percent over the past year, so they netted about $25 billion, three-quarters of it from China, but even from the UAE, about $600 million. Um, uh, dollars. So they're not under the same exact pressure, but they still have tremendous economic uh, problems uh, that beset them and that they, you know, they're looking towards all sorts of venues. They're going to the UAE with a trade conference. They are trying to build ties in the region, uh, certainly with uh, Russia and China. But the uh, bottom line is, are they prepared to really change? And we know that they haven't dismantled facilities. They're building bigger and better facilities. Even at Natanz, which was destroyed, they have built it stronger. They have the advanced centrifuges. They're not being demanded from what we hear that, that it be destroyed, but that they would be shut down. And we know that they secretly then just resume production. They have secret facilities that inspectors haven't gone to. Um, and we've already made concessions in terms of allowing foreign companies to uh, work with Iran on their domestic nuclear capacity, I mean, power plants, things like that. But the fact is that any knowledge they gain is the transfers to the military. So under the guise of, of you know, non-military nuclear research, they, in fact, can advance their, their policy, just their, their um, infrastructure, just as they did with the ballistic missiles which they say is a space program, but in fact is a weapons uh, program in disguise. So we have a, a lot of dissension in, in the American delegation of, over some of the concessions that have been made and some who felt that the position isn't strong enough. We have others who say that they're being tough and they, they don't want the onus that they will say that the West didn't deliver, that the, it's in fact Iran that doesn't want uh, a peace deal. And they're doing... Everything we see in Yemen, you see the kind of, of provocations, sending more and more sophisticated weapons because the rockets that they're firing 
that the Houthis are firing, according to the head of the Central Command, are not homemade. They're coming from Iran. And so Iran's at nefarious activities in Iraq, in Syria, in Lebanon, all over the region and way beyond continues unabated. What I don't understand is it's only to the benefit of the Iranians that this is constantly delayed and constantly dragging on these negotiations. There's no advantage to the U.S. or the or the quote unquote allies in this, right? No, because the more time, the more time means that they can, you know, advance their their policy. They can advance their uh, nuclear program. They can um, gain more experience. And also concoct and build underground facilities under uh, other uh, capacities in, uh, you know, in Natanz, in, in Florida. The, the program allows them to reopen the hard water plant that we used to talk about in Fordo. We have to. Um, so, you know, it's in their advantage uh, to go as long as possible, but it also builds up the frustration of the other parties. But did you see that this week Iran launched a new missile with a 900-plus yeah. right. range? Did you see the name of it? Yeah. The, the, a, a, the Khaibar Shikan, right. which means Khaibar Buster. Khaibar was an ancient Jewish oasis in the Arabian Peninsula, near, in the Qajaz region, that was overrun by Muslim warriors in the 7th century. And it was a promise of peace by, um, by their leader, and he, in fact, they reneged on it. And it's domestically manufactured by the IRGC, the Iran Revolutionary Guard, and has is, is a solid fuel, high accuracy, very disturbing. They have longer range ones, but these uh, also can hit Israel and can hit many of the American bases in the region. But the choice of the name should be a, a wake-up call to people who think that there's anything but um, – in nefarious and, and negative activities, you know, at the demonstrations, they yell, Chaybar, Chaybar, Ya Yahud, which is, uh, it's an anti-Semitic chant, reminding them of the, of the destruction of the Jewish community, and it's a battle cry against Israel and, and Jews. So I think that that's a good indicator for those who are skeptical about the intent, or our, our, our definitions of the true intent of the Iranians. That says it all. Yeah, and you always talk about symbolism being, uh, you know, more than just symbolic. And of course, uh, this is a perfect example of that. Uh, there was a Gantz Abbas meeting this week that some are saying was an illegal meeting. Is that what happened? Not this week. I think it was before. But uh, they, there were people who have challenged uh, Gantz's uh, meetings to, uh, with with Abbas. It's not Abbas of Ram. It's Abbas of the Palestinian Authority. About, you know, they had another meeting, uh, I think, in the first four or five years of the Palestinian Council. They elected Abbas loyalists to key positions, but uh, did not address any of the really serious problems. We see the increasing incursions of, uh, of the Hamas in the West Bank with the backing of Iran, maybe Turkey, maybe others. But they are having they have greater, greater and greater influence, especially amongst younger people. And the polls show it. Others studies show it. Uh, and despite their terrible record and horrific treatment of the people in Gaza, the people in the West Bank are getting fed up with the PA. So there are those who are saying that that um, Gantz uh, should not be. But Gantz is talking about coordination on the uh, security, which is continuing. Uh, and very important to both sides. Right. So the question, okay, I, I get it. I mean, this is a per- obviously there's purposes to these meetings, but I just, 
Uh, I, I guess it depends. And, I, they, I, and their political differences, too. Right. And I guess I mean, the different political parties <laughs> right. uses uh, the vehicle. Correct. We're getting used to that in this country, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'll tell you, someone asked me to ask you, I mean, just from a political science standpoint, what, what, what do you think of the whole, you know, shutting of the border by the truckers up in Canada and what it's doing uh, with this tremendous reduction in trade now, uh, 25 to 30 percent between uh, the U.S. and Canada. I mean, uh, you know, what one one man's, as we always say, one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. I, I guess it depends what, what side of the political aisle you're on in terms of what your attitude is toward it, right? Well, there are aspects of it which are are disturbing. There are parts of it which I think people do relate to, you know, understand that there's frustration. And it started off about the mask mandates and then has spread to every other political issue or issue, period. Uh, what is very disturbing to me is when you see swastikas at these demonstrations and you see that the, the radicalization of these things and you build a national, now it's becoming international because in other countries, including the U.S., that's threatening to do it in Washington. Uh, and you see the impact, whether it's on trade, whether it's on the vital uh, supplies that the United States needs from Canada, Canada's economy gets impacted, U.S. economy gets impacted. And uh, people have a legitimate right to freedom of speech and freedom to protest. But I see signs of this that it, it could be taken over by more radical elements that could be uh, uh, very, very dangerous. I mean, I hear that. It doesn't I mean the, the majority, if not the overwhelming majority of the people you see uh, during the television reports uh, don't seem to be sympathizing with, you know, Nazis and swastikas, frankly. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that the most of them are. I said the appearance of swastikas, as we have seen throughout this COVID thing, uh, plague, how many times now we've seen Nazi analogies, uh, swastikas, people wearing yellow stars, doing also take picking Holocaust uh, imagery and, and using it in regard to COVID, which is obviously wrong. But it's also a way of diminishing the Holocaust and, and its unique sense. That I think that the, these events are not something that you can dismiss. Yeah, I hear that. While we're on the topic, what do you think of those uh, scenes that we're, that we're seeing uh, via the iPhone camera of uh, students being encouraged to uh, learn about and demonstrate the Nazi salute? It's, that alone was very disturbing. It's not an educational exercise. Uh, I mean, would you reenact lynching of, of blacks or, or anything else, the terrible things that have happened in, in, in history or in American history, world history? The answer is no. You educate about it. You teach about it. But the, the teaching young people about what was good about the, the Germans, as one teacher was doing, you know, that kids had to write essays about it is, is um something that is happening all over the country. We see so many manifestations on campuses and high schools and even younger. Uh, Holocaust knowledge levels are dropping precipitously. Half of, the, of college students couldn't identify the concentration camps or what it meant. They don't know, even don't know what anti-Semitism means. It's the wrong word. We should talk about Jew hatred. But the, uh, you know, each incident has to be fought because if you allow it to get to go and dismiss its significance, then it's only going to invite its replication, and and you know we know copycats, we know all these things happen when we get into these issues. So uh, it's it's not. I, I I agree. 
I believe that you have to be selective. You have to see that there's real anti-Semitism. You act on it where it's something borderline, you correct it, and where it's something you can use, use it as an opportunity for education, for change. But when leaders and others are today engaging in blatantly anti-Semitic stuff, it's got to be called out and it's got to be confronted. It's America's one and only Jew. Say it again. Can I? I just want to say there was a 75% increase in anti-Semitic attacks in uh, in France that was reported last week. This week, Britain reported a sharp increase in the number of uh, anti-Semitic uh, incidents. We see now the reports about sports watching, even taking the Olympics and trying to use it, and, and as they've done in other things where, you know, like pink washing and with our today's, this was sports washing where they say, you know, you shouldn't allow Israel to participate in international um, uh, events because that, that uh, exculpates them from their terrible deeds and from, and from what they've done. And, uh, you know, the, people have to look at these statistics and take them seriously because there's a consistent pattern of, of the, the degradation of, uh, of Israel and the diminution of Israel, but also of Jews and the challenges that we face with these attacks. And they're not just against, quote, the visible Jews, it spreads. It starts there because, you know, they're the, the target of choice because you can see them, you can identify them, but then you see how quickly it spreads to other communities. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honeline is in Israel with us live via telephone. On that theme somewhat, what did you think of the Board of Deputies' reaction to Smotrich's comments in England? Well, I saw what uh, what the exchange was between them, and I think you know comparing them to Jewish leaders, you know, pre Shoah and German Jews, is inappropriate. And you know, trying to throw them out is inappropriate. You know, they demanded that Smotrich leave um, leave the uh, Britain, uh, and they condemned his trip, um, and so and obviously his uh, his comments. Um, the Board of Deputies, though, on his arrival, called him a disgrace. They asked him never to visit the UK again. So I think this is an unfortunate public display. It's a time when I, as I cited to you, the number of anti-Semitic attacks is is so sharply increasing in in Britain. It's a time when our, the energies and the efforts there and here can be used to fight each other, but in addressing the the true uh, the anti-Semitism and the rising anti-Jewish activities. And on the subject of political realities and the way people respond to different episodes, you know, we play Army Radio every morning here at JM and the AM, and now I'm I'm being asked to reconsider because of some of the personalities, specifically Bardugo, who's been let go. Uh, Are are we seeing in Israel uh, a, um, a, a, a less tolerant administration when it comes to their media sources like we're seeing here in the United States? Uh, I can't say because I, I really just I don't know. Okay, um, it just seems to be a trend, frankly, where all of the and worldwide, is yeah, a trend. all of the divisive, uh, all the divisions that we see uh, within the media are just getting starker and are becoming more and more uh, prominent. And I can't imagine that's good for anybody, frankly, down the road. An Israeli naval officer is now being stationed in Bahrain. How significant is that? There are very significant developments. One of that, the visit of the Israeli police chief, first time to the to, to the UAE, 
he had to come back because of the scandals that were breaking here. But the visit, nonetheless, was uh, was very important. Uh, there have been a series of visits of UAE leaders, including a, a parliamentary delegation that spoke to Knesset and said the process is irreversible. It is. It will, it's there. It's not going to go backwards. Uh, I mean, we see these uh, positive manifestations, the greater cooperation that's going on in, I believe, technical and areas that we do not, that are not public, but are, are important. Uh, one of the things that I think was important was I saw an announcement of the German ambassador in Indonesia opened a Holocaust museum there. Yeah. And I'm trying to get more details on it, but it, it, it that would be a very significant uh, expression. As you know, Indonesia has walked the thin edge um, on some of these issues and had reached out to Israel uh, supposedly for uh, information and going COVID or whatever, but there have been some efforts to, to try and bring Indonesia into the fold, even in a very limited way, as there was with even Pakistan and others. Um, but the Comoros Islands uh, was another one of the targets. So I think these visits to the UAE and the the presence there because of the growth of the Iranian Navy and the increasing capacity that they have, not only in drones, in missiles, but they are also uh, fielding uh, these small submarines and uh, other provocative uh, acts, that the, the greater the degree of cooperation, the, the, the drones that they placed in Yemen now can hit Israel. They have 930-mile range. And people understand that Yemen poses a danger. It always has to Egypt. But now, with the longer capacity and more sophisticated the weapons, and with the new guidance systems that are given to missiles in, in Hezbollah, to, of Hezbollah to, in Hamas, they pose a really serious danger because now they can direct them at specific targets, which they could not do before. I don't know. It seems like uh, <laughs> those who are siding with Israel or becoming friendlier with Israel or, or cooperating with Israel are enjoying those benefits and are insisting, like Bahrain as an example, are insisting on moving forward for the benefit of their country. And, of course, those who are doing the opposite, it's just, that whole relationship with Israel is getting more and more difficult and more and more dangerous. I just It, it, it seems like it's a very stark... It's a stark contrast. I was reading this article in the Times about the, the Kurds and you know the mess that, that was created when they wanted to form their own you know independent region. And the price that people pay for the attempt at freedom and independence is unbelievable. And, you know, you look back and, and you ask them, you know, now that you see the way things are in 2022, would you have done the same thing? And I think a lot of them would have said yes. And and, and people just want to, you know, continue to 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 do what's necessary to maintain their – and that, by the way, that's, I think it's a lot of the of the Canada piece right now. And and some here in the United States as well after the, the you know, the COVID of the last two years, et cetera. I wonder what unless unless I'm just not on the spot there, so I'm not as familiar. I wonder if the same attitude prevails now in Israel. Are they also sick and tired of the whole thing and and are are ready to revolt against government regulations that remain there, or are there not enough regulations that remain that are were <laughs> worth revolting against? No, there is there is sentiment about it. There's strong sentiment. There are a lot of people who don't. And the hotels, they're pretty strict about the uh, masks when you go for food, for instance, if you, they are. But it's, it's observed in the breach in the, uh, in the lobbies and places like that. You know, you, you, it, and people on the street are not walking around that mask. There are, there are people who do, and there are people who give you 
a strange look if you're not. Uh, but, but the same thing like in New York. Uh, so, yeah, there, there, there's more of a demand for consistency, for clarity, for saying, you know, this is the policy. This is why we're doing it. This is what when, when we will end it. You know, giving more defined deadlines. And every time there's an announcement, it's never clear, is this apply to everybody? Does it apply to kids? Does it apply to others? And, and, and the same thing was true in the United States. It's, it's hard to, um, you know, governments facing something uh, that they didn't have experience with. There, there is a distrust generally about the statistics that have been offered, and sometimes we find that they, they were faulty. Um, but the fundamental need for people to still adhere to, and be careful because there's a new variant, which is oh God. Also, appear, also appearing here, which is highly contagious but not severe. And, and each subsequent one will likely not be uh, severe, but they, they will, you, you know, you can get reinfected. Any other good news for us? Um, there is a lot of good news. By the way, uh, by the, by the way, what would you say, you know, before we wrap up this, part, this piece, what do you think, that, do you agree with me that the majority of the Kurds would say that they would do nothing differently through this whole battle? Because- Absolutely. The Kurds are very courageous. They've been fighting. They are now under, under uh, a lot of assault because of the revival of Daesh, of uh, uh, ISIS. Uh, the Islamic State is, is, is coming back. People said, you know, they're defeated, but we know that they remain. They spread out in Syria and, and in Iraq, but they're regrouping. They're attacking in Syria. Their uh, uh, greater presence, which uh, they were against Egypt in the Sinai, but here back in the, in the Syria fold. And uh, on this issue, all of the parties uh, in Syria got together to, and with the United States to drive them out. And we were told that they were, were destroyed. And yet we see now that uh, ISIS is, in fact, um, uh, becoming more of, a, more of a factor, which really shakes up things for people. It's not... You know, I, I know that people think the Islamic State was something um, of the past, but if you look what people in northwestern, in northeastern Iraq, or in parts of Syria, and they say the police don't come because the Islamic State fighters are emerging as a deadly threat. They, they, uh, and the fact of the lack of central control, and uh, and, and even the security officials uh, acknowledge it. They have all of these cells that uh, are operating independently because they survived independently from a central ISIS control. But their fighters are entering into the villages. They, they take away the food. They kill people indiscriminately. It's, it's very dangerous. Wow. And the Kurds are the ones who bear the brunt. And yet they have remained. They're the ones who were controlling the prisons where there was a break. And that's what they were assigned. You know, they gave them the work nobody else wanted to do in Syria. And the Kurds are... You know, fighting for their their recognition of of the, of the state for them, and uh, which would you know is a threat because it goes across Syria, Iraq, um, Iran, uh, and Turkey. And Turkey, as you know, is fighting the PKK, which is a Kurdish group in in Syria, as well as in its own borders. Unbelievable. Uh, before I turn to you for the good news, uh, isn't it interesting to see how Unilever is tripping all over itself to try to figure out what to do with Israel? Well, I do think that that is uh, that that is important. That the you know Unilever lost, I think, twenty six billion dollars in their value since the Ben and Jerry's uh, stuff, wow. uh, and may have been due to other things. The com- other companies also lost value, but it's very important that the message that when you engage, it's, it's one thing, you know, for them 
and have views into you know what their conduct of their business, but they have to know there are consequences. And and to say, well, that Ben and Jerry's is now completely independent, which it is, but legally, I think that their board, when they made the deal to buy it, Ben and Jerry's was authorized to do what it wants and to be independent and uh, et cetera. Uh, but there has to be a message, and it's a message that will be heard by other companies whose people engage in BBS activities or who boycott or is another company that I don't think it's public yet that is being investigated because some of the, their employees uh, said that the company is, is engaging in BBS and quietly and against Jewish employees. Uh, those are the things that we have to stand up. What is, what is good is that we see uh, more and more states, more and more people adopting the IRA definition, uh, more emphasis on critical measures being taken, the efforts in Congress now to sharply increase the amount of money available for synagogues, other institutions, uh, other faith institutions um, uh, to protect them. This is very critical to get the cameras up. You see in all the incidents that are occurring and there are so many, how many times it's the cameras that are on the streets outside of buildings, homes, even, but certainly around institutions that enable the police to identify the perpetrator yeah. and to bring them to justice. Unfortunately, the definition of justice today has changed, and it means you come in, you get a, a slap on the wrist, and you're out before the police are even back at their station. And go commit another and, crime or go attack somebody else. Of course, we had cases where somebody did it in the morning, and remember in the Bronx, and then was released in the afternoon. They were arrested in Staten Island. So, you know, this part of the justice system has to be addressed. You know, the more that we give them the impression that you can get away with looting in stores or carrying out any kind of an attack, and this crosses all borders, all groups, is something that should be uniting every community together to fight these 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 things. I think that there is a change that even those who may have advocated, you know, reform the police or even defund the police are not doing so now. That there are different expressions of people coming to realize that everybody pays the price for this. Every community. But minority communities, I think, bear, uh, in many places, the, the most significant brunt uh, of the increase in crime and, and getting all of them to understand what, why it's imperative that law and order be universally applied. It shouldn't be discrimination. Shouldn't be discrimination, but everybody has a stake in that. And the attacks on members of our community around this country—just uh, um, you know—you you feel helpless at times. Even those who are not involved in the episode, you know, you, you look on, you don't know who to call first. You don't know what uh, if, if the police. But people don't want to hear it. You know, I, 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 I'm telling you honestly. People still tell me, "Oh, it's depressing. You warned about all this. You told us ten years ago. I didn't want to listen because." You know, it wasn't, it wasn't happy news. I said, it's not happy or sad. It's reality. If you don't want to confront reality, you will pay the price. Jews cannot afford to live in illusions. Right. Jews have to live with reality. There are people who can afford it. America thought that they could live, you know, above and beyond what goes on in the world. And we find out that we can't. The whole, right. the most powerful country in the world. Right. But certainly the Jewish communities can't. And that's a clearing call. And, and I think, and I've heard from people, even a journalist in Israel about this, who listens to the show, uh, that this is a message that has gone on. In Israel, they don't fully understand the scope, and, and but more about Europe they do, because it's been longer and I guess in a sense more blatant. And the studies that are coming out, you know, the annual reports on the in- incidents are terrible. But the incidents reports from America are terrible. 
horrible on the campuses, off the campuses, the number of assaults, the number of incidents. And we have to work together. And thank God we have some organizations. You have SCAN, you have others. We're working on the ground, helping to mobilize. And we should get Congress and people who speak to congressmen to encourage that more money be uh, allocated and see to it that our institutions use them effectively, not use them for any other purpose except for security of our of our schools, our schools and institutions. Well said. Next week in Israel or the United States? Uh, God willing in Israel. God right. willing I'll be able to do it here. Looking forward. Have a wonderful Shabbos in the Holy Land, and thanks for joining us. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations, always extra special when he's with us from Israel here at JM in the AM. Speaking of Israel, a reminder that Rabbi Shlomo Katz is the featured performer at the Kosher Halftime Show this coming Sunday, presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. Thank you to the Rothenbergs. Thanks to everybody out there for all their excitement. We are bridging the gap between Israel and the diaspora, and we're utilizing the great Rabbi Shlomo Katz to do so. He'll join us later on this hour. We're looking forward to speaking with him and looking forward to Sunday uh, for a great, great kosher halftime show, which you could watch on our website at NachumSiegel.com. You could watch it on Facebook.com slash NachumSiegel Network. And I'm hoping that you'll be able to see it everywhere, that people will be watching it and sharing it to be watched either during halftime or anytime. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Titzaveh. Parshas Titzaveh contains, according to the Chinuch, seven mitzvos, four positive and three restrictions. You have in Parshas Titzaveh a long chapter regarding the Big Day Kahuna that the vestments the special garments that the Kohen wore. A regular Kohen wore four garments, and a Kohen Gadol wore eight garments. The additional four containing gold, big day Zahav. Then the Torah provides us with the process of inauguration, the Karbanos, that the had to be brought for the seven days of inauguration of the Kohanim. And finally, the Parsha concludes with the last of the Kalim necessary for the Mishkan, and that is the Mizbah Miktar Ketores, the golden altar which contained uh, which was made of gold and on which the Kohen authored incense, ketores both in the morning and in the evening I'd like to focus on the very first verse of the Parsha which deals with the lighting of the oil not the mitzvah to light the menorah, that comes in Parshas Baaloscha, but the oil that is to be used for the lighting of the menorah, 
the Torah says that it is to be they are to bring to Moshe for him to supervise and instruct what oil is fit for the lighting of the menorah. It has to be shemen zayis zach. It has to be pure, pressed olive oil, lamor, for the purpose of lighting the menorah. And our rabbis describe, and Rashi brings, how pure. The oil has to be that it has to be number one the olive has to be pressed rather than crushed why because this oil had to be absolutely pure without any olive particles or sediment now even though these impurities could be filtered out later on the Pasuk is teaching us that the oil had to be absolutely pure from the start. And therefore, the oil was made by pressing each olive gently until only one drop of pure oil emerged. And afterwards, the, o- the olives could be crushed and the remaining oil used for meal offerings. Now, this is nothing less than incredible. Oil was used for lighting the menorah. Oil was also used as part of the korban mincha. In the very beginning of Vayikra, the Torah in chapter 1 tells us the procedure for offering of korbanos, be it firstly from bakar, cattle, and then the Torah goes on that if one's offering korban is from the sheep or from the goats, then it goes to if one's offering is from the birds. That's the end of chapter 1. Chapter 2, the Torah says, V'nefesh, a poor individual who cannot afford even a bird, the Torah says, you too can bring a carbon, and it's introduced by the word V'nefesh, and a soul. It's looked upon, says Rashi, that your giving of flour, oil, and the spice frankincense, your bringing this carbon is as beloved to God as someone that brought a large animal. Okay, so what's happening? This mixture of flour, oil, and spice is eaten by the Kohanim on duty at that time. This is called a korban mincha. Now, if I were to ask anybody, if I have a choice, what kind of oil should I use for illumination? And what kind of oil would I use for consumption, for eating? I think most of us would have agreed that that which is going to be eaten by the Kohen 
that should be of the highest order and that which is used for illumination could be even of second quality and the Torah is teaching us very powerfully in the Gemara Menachos the Torah teaches that it is just the opposite when it comes to the lighting of the menorah that has to be most pure and the oil for even the carbon could be of a secondary nature now we know that so much of the mishkan is there to teach us lessons lessons not only for that which occurred over 3,000 years ago when the Mishkan was constructed, but literally every day lessons that are so important for our understanding and living life. So the Talmud in Menachos teaches that it is to be kosis, lama'or, and not kosis for the Mincha. This is in Menachos, Peivav Amaralev. And what is this based on? It's based on the idea that the menorah represents Torah and the shulchan, the table which contained the 12 loaves of the lechem, haponim, the menorah represents Torah and the Shulchan represents Ashiras, wealth. The Gemara in Babasra 25b teaches in the name of Rabbi Yitzchak in terms of where to face, when, what direction, when one is davening Shmona Esrei. And Rabbi Yitzchak teaches Harotza Sheyachkim one who wishes to become knowledgeable should face Yadrim, the south, when he prays. Why? Because the menorah was in the south. One who wishes to become wealthy should face the north because the Shulchan in the Kodesh was facing north. The idea behind this law that the menorah had to be lit with the purest of oil was here to teach us that when it comes to Torah, Torah is to be regarded as our most pure commodity and therefore the ma'or of Torah, the light of Torah, had to be nothing less than a hundred percent perfect while the oil that was being used and consumed by the Kohen that can be of a lesser quality the very important lesson that the Torah is teaching us is that when it comes to the values that the Jew has to have, he has to make sure that his value system 
is correct and Torah is, as that beautiful expression goes, the besta schora. Rav Simon Shlita in his Sefer, Imre Barach, brings a beautiful chidah. And the chidah in his Sefer, Lev David, chapter 25, on the following verse, teaches a perspective of life. In Devarim, chapter 4, Pasuk Lamites, the Torah teaches, V'yodata hayom, you shall know today, V'ashivosa el levovecha, take to heart most seriously, K'ashem hu elokim, God is the one and only, B'ashamayim mima'al, in the heaven, from on high, V'yala oretz, and on the earth, Mitachas, from below, Ein od, there's none other. The Chidah says beautifully, Bashamayim, when it comes to areas of Ruchnius, spirituality, Mima'al, you should always look to those who are higher than you, always aspire to more, always want more Torah and more Avodah, more Gemilas Chasadim, wanting more in the realm of spirituality. That is Mima'al, <coughs> upward. However, when it comes to the land, when it comes to materialism, physicality, there, look who is below you. Look who lives a more humble lifestyle. Look who prioritizes better, and that's the way you should live your life. This forthcoming week is Purim Katan on the 14th and 15th of Adorisho. We don't fast, we don't eulogize, there's Simcha in these two days, and therefore the famous teaching and the verse that we recite every Motsoe Shabbos in conjunction with Havdalah, La Yehudim, the Jewish people, had Ora, light, Simcha, joy, Sason, happiness, and Yukar, honor. Rav Yehuda teaches in the Gemara, Megillah 16b, what does it mean they had light? It means that they had Torah. And what does it mean that they had Simcha, happiness? This is Yom Tov. What does it mean they had Sason, right, gladness? This is Mila, circumcision, and Yokar, honor and glory. This is Tefillin. And what is the idea behind this? That Haman HaRasha, unfortunately, forbade the Jews from studying Torah, from observing Yom Tov, from observing Mila, and from having the glory of Tefillin. Now that the... Um, decree of Haman was cancelled, we had those four ingredients again. So the obvious question that can be asked is, why say, if it means that Ora is Torah, why not say the Jewish people had Torah, and they had Yom Tov, and circumcision, and tefillin? 
And the answer is that no. Oftentimes, when a person has something they don't appreciate, it's only when they don't have it, ah, then they appreciate it. So now they realize how much is Torah. The Torah is aura. Torah is light. When a person is in the dark, it means they don't have direction. They don't have purpose of life. Torah gives us just that, focus, perspective on life. And therefore, what emerges is that we have to learn that just as the opening verse of Pashas Tetzave teaches how the menorah was to be lit with pure oil, it's to teach us that we have to prioritize in what we do. So Baruch Hashem, the many, many families that work hard to pay yeshiva tuition and as a result of that forego many luxuries of life, this is literally fulfilling the first verse of that which we find in the parsha, that is Shemen Zayis Zach, that we don't cut any corners for the preserving and studying of Torah. And finally, when it comes to the acquisition of mitzvot, once again, the money that we spend on a beautiful pair of tefillin, tefillin that Amahudar teaches the young bar mitzvah boy that this is a priority, a fulfillment of Shemin Zayis Zah. I pray that we don't try to understand the first verse of the parsha as only a requirement for the lighting of the menorah, which we had and will have, but most important, teaching us how to live each and every day. Torah, the bestest Torah. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. in the A.M. My thanks, of course, to Rabbi Yudin. Well, everyone knows that uh, this coming Sunday there's a game going on, but more importantly, during halftime, there's a uh, wonderful kosher halftime show being released to the entire world. Brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm at InjuryLawyer.com. For the ninth consecutive year, we're offering this alternative uh, to what goes on during the uh, NFL game. You don't have to watch it during halftime. You can watch it anytime. And this year, we have a special message and a special theme. And it's really the reason that Rabbi Shlomo Katz agreed to be part of the Kosher Halftime Show this year is because he knew our theme was simply trying to bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora. It's been a terrible disconnect for us. It's been a terrible gap over the last couple of years. And we desperately need to be reminded just how desperately we want to be in Israel and with our brothers and sisters in Israel. Harav Shlomo Katz, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. Shalom Aleichem to you and to everyone. First of all, thank you for an amazing job, and we're all looking forward to seeing everything this coming Sunday. Uh, that's number one. Uh, you made this whole process, and you and your team made this whole process so enjoyable, and uh, and it just was done with tremendous um, uh, tremendous nachas ruach, and uh, uh, we very, very much appreciate that. I don't, I don't like when interviewers do the following, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to violate my own rule. I don't like questions like this, but I'm going to violate my own rule. 
Tell the audience, or can you explain to this audience what Erev Shabbos is like where you are? You are now, I'm assuming, within an hour or two from candle lighting. Can you describe what it's like where you are when you're this close to the holy day of Shabbos? If only we were doing a, uh, a video cast right now. So, so try to visualize this. I'm on my porch right now, and I'm barbecuing right now the chicken Lechovitch Shamas. If I turn around, I see the edge of Kedarachum and the buildings of Talpiot, Yerushalayim, in the background. If I look down to the floor, I'm looking at pebbles that perhaps Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov walked on. And when I turn my head to the right, I see that our Beit Knesset, Shirat David, is just about finished being built in Ari Yehuda. Literally. That's, I don't know how much more I could tell you. <laughs> what else could I say? I was, 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 was going to say... Now, can you describe the feeling inside? Because you must be on a <laughs> you you must be on a uh, on a spiritual level of Shabbos that all of us around the world should be jealous of. Frankly, Rabbi Shlomo Katz is with us. <laughs> he is helping us remind everybody that uh, the, the purpose of this Sunday's kosher halftime show, as opposed to prior years, we had a lot of fun. And prior years, we've uh, you know uh, certainly uh, provided entertainment and inspiration in a different way. Uh, this year, we really want to bridge that gap between Israel and the diaspora. One of the things that we're going to see Sunday, in addition to enjoying your music and your words, we're going to see some amazing sights of uh, the Shiloh Winery, of, uh, the, of the city of Tzfat, of Yerushalayim. And um, I'm hoping, Rib Shlomo, that this will, in fact, increase the longing that people around the world have for Eretz Yisrael. What were your feelings as you were doing all this? Did you think that message would come across? Exactly that. But Malachi, word, word for word, what you just said. We Even from the pictures we posted, which both you, our team and your team were posting in the last few weeks, a tremendous amount of longing, longing, that's the word, longing of, of a cheshek, of having a passion. Ah, ah, I see pictures very few slow. Part of me is alive again, and, and why is that? And I think it's, it's simple. We kind of say this in one of the tracks is that, you know, right now I, I should have answered to you before your previous question. I'm looking at what Hashem is looking at right now. Right. Like right now, I'm looking at a mountain, and I, I, I believe that Hashem is looking at me and this mountain right now. And that's what we wanted to convey. And while we were filming, we really were davening that the shlichus should come out in a very strong and mechubad manner. And I pray, I pray that it did just that. Bezrat Hashem, I'm telling you, I think you've done an amazing job, and I really appreciate it. And everybody out there, this coming Sunday, you'll enjoy Rav Shlomo Katz from Israel. Uh, the incredible music, the beautiful words, and the incredible sights, the the views and the vistas that he's describing. We'll have an opportunity to see it, unfortunately, not live and in person, but certainly through the Kosher Halftime Show. Rav Shlomo, continued success. Uh, I look forward to reuniting with you in Aretz very, very soon. Amen. Amen. You and all the listeners. And have a wonderful, have a wonderful Shabbos. Um, Reb Shlomo Katz on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Kosher Halftime Show brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. This coming Sunday, watch it at NahumSiegel.com. Watch it on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash NahumSiegel Network. Watch it and uh, be part of a uh, of a program that's meant to bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora. This year's Kosher Halftime Show coming up Sunday, courtesy of 
the Nahum Siegel Network. More coming up at JM in the AM.
Awesome. Shlomo Katz with uh, Likrat Shabbat. And, of course, uh, you know that he's the star of Kosher Halftime Show 2022. Brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm. Thank you to the Rothenberg's InjuryLawyer.com. Much appreciated. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website, kosherdogs.net. Try A&H today, and I am sure there'll be plenty of A&H on many tables nationwide for the Super Bowl parties taking place this coming Sunday. On our app, we've been informed, Mazel Tov going out to Rabbi Larry and Rebetzin Chaviva Rothwax and the birth of a son to their children, Shani and Yisrael Benevitz of Yerushalayim. Special Mazel Tov to the great-grandparents, Rabbi and Mrs. Benjamin Yudin, Rabbi and Rebetzin Yudin, Mazel Tov to you, Rabbi and Mrs. Rothwax, Mazel Tov to you, and to the Benevitzes in Yerushalayim, Mazel Tov to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I love listener Morris's comment about Rav Shlomo Katz and his description about Erev Shabbos in Israel. Pretty amazing as well. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Ditzavah, candlelighting time at 5.06 in New York. 5.06 your candlelighting time. Tuesday and Wednesday next week, Purim Katan and Shushan Purim Katan. We will try our best to uh, figure, <laughs> figure out some special programming for those two days. I'm not sure yet what to do, but we'll figure it out, I hope. <laughs> I have a feeling we will. A reminder that on the 27th of February, on the 27th of February, our friends at Makar Care and Services Network present the Jewish Music Hall of Fame show. And this is living up to everything that you think it might be and more. It's celebrating 60 years of Jewish music. And you do that in one night? I don't know if you could do 60 years in one night. But, boy, they're going to be off to an amazing start with this. I can tell you that much. Shia Menlowitz, Yisrael Lamb, um... Um, Brookville, Long Island. The Tilly Center is the location. It's Jewish music's most mes- most memorable evening ever because it comes after 60 years of incredible artists and amazing classic selections. Information, get your tickets at makorconcert.org, M-A-K-O-R, concert.org, M-A-K-O-R, concert.org. Again, M-A-K-O-R, concert.org. Get ready for the 27th of February. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
Shia Rubenstein, Shabbos Hayom is the name of that one, of course. Here at JM in the AM, we had uh, Likrat Shabbat before that. That was done by uh, Rav Shlomo Katz. I want to thank him for joining me from Israel. Big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. Um, there we go. InjuryLawyer.com. And uh, don't forget, this coming Sunday, facebook.com slash Nachum Siegel Network. Of course, on our webpage, NachumSiegel.com. You'll be able to enjoy the Kosher Halftime Show, which I hope will accomplish its goal of bridging the gap between Israel and the diaspora. That is the goal, and I'm certainly hoping that that's uh, what will come from this coming Sunday's performance. It's what we're looking for, and uh, Bezrat Hashem, we will accomplish that goal at least to uh, some extent this coming Sunday with the Kosher Halftime Show. That is our, uh, that is our wish. That is our goal. And uh, hopefully that's exactly what will happen. So make sure to be tuned in. And once you watch it, we'd appreciate if you shared it with everybody you know. After all, you want them to enjoy it as well, right? Of course. No doubt about that. I want everybody to enjoy it. Uh, time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the M. Yeah. 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing uh, Friday here at JM and the AM. Kosher Halftime Show is Sunday. Make sure to watch it at NahumSegal.com and, of course, on uh, Facebook.com slash NahumSegal Network, all of our social media. Thank you to Rabbi Shlomo Katz. Thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. Monday, we're back starting at 6 a.m. Make sure to join us for a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Till Monday, Nahum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.